No matter what you've done, God can and he will if you ask him to forgive you. Ruins can be rebuilt. I pray that every word that I speak, every thought that I think, every movement that I make will be guided and governed by the Holy Spirit and the Spirit alone. I pray that somebody will be helped by this. I pray that somebody will be saved by this. And I pray that all the glory, honor, and praise will be unto you. We pray this prayer through the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior, and in the Spirit for salvation. Amen. Tonight, I'd like to start out with Saul's conversion. And this is from Acts 9, verses 1 through 43. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to that way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? He asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but he opened his eyes and he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to the holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the one who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plans. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. 
But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judah, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. That was the conversion of Saul. Saul quite literally persecuted Christians, God's children, the ones who served him directly. Yet Saul, who arguably committed one of the gravest crimes that you could against God, apart from blaspheming the Holy Spirit, wasn't just saved, but he was sought by God. Did you hear that? He killed Christians and he wasn't just saved. He wasn't just forgiven. He was sought by God. Saul became Paul and it didn't just stop there. He wasn't just forgiven. He didn't just stop killing. He started preaching. He became the very thing that he used to persecute, plus more. He didn't just serve the God he used to hate. He didn't just serve the God he used to doubt. He started sharing the good news, too. And he didn't just start sharing the good news. He became more and more powerful in it. People that had spent their lifetime studying the Hellenistic Jews when trying to debate about Christianity and debate about God were likely losing so terribly they wanted to kill that man. Can you imagine how badly you would have to be losing in arguments to want to kill a man for it? A man who just turned to this worldview who knows how short ago? Not only was he saved, not only was he sought by God, but he was strengthened by God. He was prepared by God. And whenever Jesus said, you will see how much he has to suffer from me, he meant it. Because it seemed like everywhere this man went in the beginning of his journey, people wanted to kill him. But to be fair, that's exactly what he was trying to do when he was in their position. He was saved. He was sought. He was strengthened. And then he shared. The numbers in the church grew. This was the conversion of Saul to Paul. And I want to tell you something. This is conviction. But there's another feeling that's very human that's not of God. And that's guilt. Guilt is not of God. Guilt, well, let me just tell you from Romans 8 verses 1 and 2. This was written by Paul, by the way. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation. Now, what is guilt? Guilt is nothing but self-condemnation over a long period of time, thinking back to whenever you made these mistakes, thinking back to worse times and a worse version of you, you're ashamed of it. You condemn yourself, you persecute yourself, you inflict harm upon yourself because of how you were. That's guilt and that's not of God, that's of the enemy. Why? Because guilt is manipulative. Guilt is limiting. Guilt is self-punitive. What is of God is conviction. Conviction is of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you about that too. I want to tell you about the work of the Holy Spirit. 
In John 16, verses 4 through 15, it states, and this is from Jesus, by the way, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's conviction. And that is of God. But I'll tell you again, guilt is not. And a simpler definition of conviction from Merriam-Webster is defined as the state of being convinced of error or compelled to admit the truth. The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And I just find it interesting. Again, going back to the topic of guilt, and this will be the last of it, that it was Saul who told us there's no conviction in the Lord. Because again, he committed arguably one of the gravest sins we could. And he did it several times. He did it consistently. He did it over and over again. He experienced it himself, so he knew how terrible it was to be on the receiving end. And even he was saved. He didn't have to get killed. He was just chased. He was just pursued. And he got to witness how bad it was. Yet Paul said there's no condemnation in the Lord. And if Paul can say it, we can too. That any guilt you have in your heart, release that. It's not of God. It's of the enemy. Any guilt you have on your heart, let it go because it's holding you back. It's like trying to swim with a stone tied around your ankle. It's going to slow you down or it's going to make you drown. You got to let it go. And last month, my biggest challenge has actually been God, who God is, rather. I struggled to really understand the God of Christianity, the God of the universe. One answer could be God is love. And for many, that's sufficient, but it's not all that God is. God is just too. And there are other characteristics of God and I just struggle to understand them all. I mean, from what I've experienced, God is mighty merciful. Yet biblically speaking, the Bible never said that God is mercy or God is grace. Yet we experience it. And this morning I was reading an email and it was from Matt Fury and he quoted a monk, something that that monk had told him. And it was that The things I tell you are easy for you to forget. That which you discover on your own, you will never forget. The Bible doesn't state that God is mercy explicitly, but we experience it. Paul experienced it. Because if anybody should not have been forgiven for what they did, if anybody should not have been sought because of the sins they committed, Paul would be pretty close to fulfilling that. But God was merciful. Jesus himself called Paul 
And Paul was persecuting his followers. It wouldn't surprise me if back then Paul was blaspheming Jesus's name because he didn't accept him as his Lord and his savior. Yes, yet he was still soft. See, God is wisdom and God forgives us. At least when we forgive others and accept his son as our Lord and savior. That goes back to the parable about the debtor and the king. The title of this sermon, though, is Ruins Can Be Rebuilt. At 5.58, my sermon title was Life's Incline, but it felt wrong. I felt conviction in my spirit that that sermon was not satisfactory. I felt conviction in my spirit for the hours leading up to this, where I felt anxious, I felt worried because this sermon did not feel right. But I knew I didn't have much time, and I didn't want to change it. But at 5.58, I went ahead and I looked through a note that I had. And this note has varying ideas and topics that I could preach upon. There were four in here, which is usually more than I would have. The first one was, of course, life's incline. But the first thing that I looked at was titled, Sometimes You're Looking in the Wrong Place for the Solution. And I thought, that sounds mighty ironic for what's happening right now. The second one was, The pain doesn't slash didn't come from performing. It came from preparing. And I thought, again, that sounds mighty ironic for what's happening right now. And then the third and final one was ruins can be rebuilt. I felt as though my sermon was in ruins, but that it could be rebuilt, as this title said. So I switched sermons entirely because that one was self-help. I didn't know if it would actually help you strengthen your relationships with God. So I switched. So the sermon tonight is ruins can be rebuilt. And I want to tell you tonight that you can and you should cast all your anxieties upon the Lord. Because similarly to guilt, it's a rock that weighs you down. It's just a different stone. Tonight, I want to tell you To go to God if you feel like no one will accept you, not even yourself, because he will. No matter what you have done in your life, he will accept you. He will forgive you. Jesus can save you. Tonight, I want to tell you that great is the mystery of God. You may not know and you may not understand him, but he understands you. You may not know how he's moving, but you best believe it's for the benefits of his people. And that can be you too. Tonight, I want to tell you that the Lord is waiting on you no matter what you have done in your life to this point. Because Saul is an excellent example that if he accepted Saul with all that he did, that if he sought Saul with all that he did, that if he strengthened Saul with all that he did, he will surely forgive you. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't even have to come up here publicly. Just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he is the way, the truth, and the light, that you can have everlasting life if you accept him. And if you do so, or if you're recommitting your life to Christ and you're not already doing this, I want you to install the Bible app on your phone. And I don't want you to just read randomly. I want you to get a Bible plan, a Bible plan talking about connecting with Jesus. Now, I tell you this because faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. I want you to be doing that daily. See, Bible plans will assign for you a little bit of reading each day. You'll consistently be in the word. It won't take you much time, but you'll be strengthening your bond with God. 
you'll be strengthening your knowledge of God and your faith will flourish too. No matter what you've done, God can and he will, if you ask him to, forgive you. This is my sermon. Ruins can be rebuilt. No matter how broken you are, you can be rebuilt. Thank you. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled Ruins Can Be Rebuilt by George Bronner. This message is number 4098. That's 4098 to listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 4098 to a friend. Go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. From brothers of the word.